Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Woke by Accident podcast. It is a weekly chat about socially conscious topics impacting the culture. I'd like to extend my gratitude in you listening to this podcast. It means everything to me, and I hope it is clear that this subject matter is so important to me. I care about our people, our future, and making a positive change in this nation. This episode is powered by Poddex. Do you find it difficult to come up with content ideas for your podcast? Or perhaps you've gotten stuck during an interview with a guest where you just have nothing more to ask. Try Poddex today. Poddex is the best all-in-one podcast idea generation tool. You get everything from episode ideas to interesting conversation starters for interviews, engaging discussions for your live streams, and even social media content ideas. With this tool, you don't have to spend weeks trying to come up with content for an episode or unique questions for your guests. Just shuffle the cards, pick one at random, hit the record button and get started. Now you can make better content, have more fun while you're at it, and get your viral moment all with Poddex. Head over to poddex.com and use code C4C. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Woke by Accident podcast. Today we have a special guest, Raphael Harry, who is a U.S. Navy veteran, a husband, a father, a volunteer, and cultural agent. He is the host of the White Label American podcast. He was born and raised in Nigeria and he has Ghanaian roots. He is here to go over some interesting topics with me and I'm so glad to have Raphael on the show. He is a fellow content creator, always glad to connect with new people in the space and he was recently featured on Afro and Audio's and the Black Podcast Association. Welcome to the show, Raphael. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. And so there are a lot of conversations going on right now regarding immigration from what the president, uh, President Biden did or did not uphold as far as his promise to Title 42, which is the public health authority, which allows authorities to remove migrants who were encountered at the U.S. border to avoid the transmission of COVID. And so there's a lot of conversation going on regarding that. And I wanted to get your thoughts regarding that because that was legislation that came from Trump. And so a lot of people have been criticizing Biden for that. Yeah, I don't think I have my answer will sound positive or popular. Let me go popular. There's a there's there's a lot for Biden to deal with. And the immigration question is something that it doesn't have a a perfect solution you know Mm -hmm. because everybody says we want this we want that we want this we want that do this do that and at the same time everybody still reacts a different way because if you want the only people who can give you come close to giving you a solution as all founding democrats and then you still go and see people like oh i didn't get the solution within one year, because Biden has only been in office for one year. And then they're going to be like, oh, I'm switching back to the people who were in office for four years and did terrible. So I'm like, yeah, that's that's my way of approaching it first. Uh, secondly, like I said, Biden has only been in office for one year. Right. Uh, 
it's he still has time to do right on immigration. First thing he had to tackle was the pandemic, and he's still tackling it. And we see obstacles being thrown his way, which uh, as much as we would like immigration to, uh, as I would like immigration to uh, be taken care of, uh, we have a global pandemic that's still happening. And we we can't say, okay, pause the pandemic, let's go fix immigration. in fact, there's way too many, there's too many things happening. And we know that the other side will just say, hey, look, 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 because everything is an, is an opening for an attack. So there's no perfect solution. Do I like seeing, do I like the situation right now? Hell no. Hell no. Mm-hmm. Just because uh, I was fortunate not to be uh, like one of the people at the southern border. Uh, I'm, I don't, doesn't mean I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, they should if you don't want to come to don't come to America, that kind of thing. No, I, I would like for them to be treated in a humanely manner. But the system has been bad for a long, 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 long time. You, you can't fix it in one year. You can't fix it in two years. You can't fix it in three years or four years. It's a process. And the, the earlier we start talking or recognizing that, yes, it will take a process and you need a steady stream of the right people being put in there to establish a foundation, to, to, to be able to change the foundation and um, bring in the change that needs to happen. You can't change the system, you know, because mm-hmm. this thing where every now and then we switch it, oh, oh, I don't like what happened. Biden didn't do what I wanted within six months. So I'm switching back to the people who I try to say, we don't want you. How, how do you get progress? You can't get progress that way. It doesn't work. It doesn't, you can't get progress that way. And sometimes we also act like, um, uh, by we, I mean Americans, we act like it's only America that's facing immigration issues. Look at Europe, look at mm-hmm. uh, places we don't talk about, China, we don't talk about uh, Russia. We act like those countries, everything is just 100. How do they treat immigrants there? Okay. We, you know, when you start looking around, you see that everybody has a, a language for immigration that we choose, pick and choose who we want to put in the limelight of when it comes to immigration. At the end of the day, as bad as America is at their system, which needs massive, massive improvements, there are still places that people are far worse than. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, I was wondering, like, did you feel like there's more of an emphasis in the news as far as what's going on with the southern, so, southern border, as far as Mexico and Haiti, rather than immigrants from Africa? Or do you feel like the immigration news is more heavily focused one way? Uh, yes and no. I say yes, because if you look on that Trump, there was a way they played the the immigration story, which was like the caravan is coming, but there wasn't serious talk around the sexual abuse of children, the separation of families until it became, it got to a scandalous level, but you didn't see the, the, it, 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 the, the way they made it, they reported it. You would think that the customs officials were not on horseback doing the same thing that we saw within how many weeks of Biden being in office. Those guys have been doing that for a long time. 
So okay. it's, it's, it's not like, you know, but when you only pick, that, that's why I say they, 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 there's this pick and choose. And then we, we, America has more than one border. There's the northern border with Canada. What happens there? Oh, nobody ever, it's like, oh. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's, it's always, it's kind of like um, when we, we show the um, um, immigrants and we say immigrants crossing the border and we always talk about only people from Mexico and, you know, everybody's from Mexico. Everybody's automatically tagged from Mexico. You don't get the people coming from Cuba. They get a different, mm-hmm. they get a much humane story if you're coming from Cuba. Well, okay. if you're coming from Mexico, it's like, hey, yeah, oh, yeah, you, you automatically attack. Well, what about what about cartels? The cartels sneaking in with right, them? Is right. Drugs? Is there this? But oh, so I mean, you can't sneak in drugs through Cuba. You can't. But Cuba gets a different story. Oh, they're escaping communism. What? Really? But there's higher lit- uh, level of literacy in Cuba. Mm. So the story is being portrayed. So it becomes, what are you? Who are the people? Who's the messenger? Because under Trump, it became, it got to, they let certain things slide. And then the, the people, you don't even see that they're Africans at the southern border. Mm-hmm. I, I once stumbled on a, a report from, I think it was BBC Africa. Yeah, BBC Africa uh, podcast. And there were a group of Africans who, they, they came through Colombia and then they marched from Colombia all the way through to and ended up at the southern border at Mexico. Okay, wow. So that was the first time that it dawned on me. And I was talking to a family member, and he was like, Why, why, why would you do that? Why an African do that? That doesn't make sense to me. I said, But if you if that's the only route available to you, is that the only option that you have on the table? Not everybody is like you and I who we could go to an embassy and it was we were guaranteed a visa and not all of us were guaranteed visas by the way but some of us due to whatever circumstances we fall into some of us are guaranteed visas mm-hmm. if you, you have a war going on uh you don't have time to go and be going to the embassy every day bring documents or documents that have been burnt in the fire so yeah you just jump into whatever circumstances is available and if it's Europe or through the desert or somebody's like, hey, I can put you on a flight to Colombia and then from Colombia, you can, somebody will take you to the United States. People are desperate. People will exactly. do whatever. But they are Africans at the southern border and their story is as dark as it comes because it's crazy. It's very sad and depressing, but they don't get to be shown. All Most people that we see being shown are only, oh, they're from uh, um, um, Honduras, Guatemala. Mm-hmm. And it becomes only okay. Only so the expectation now becomes okay. So why can't only just these two countries? Okay, so if we do something for those two countries, then nobody will come, right? Oh, if we do something for Mexico, nobody will come, right? Mm-hmm. And then what about the rest? So at the end of the day, uh, I, I actually listened to a podcast recently. Um, all my um, all my relations, all of my relations. I think the podcast is called, and it's from uh, it's from um, Native Americans and. Uh, where did I drop my phone? I was about to pull it up. But they uh, talked about the border. And yeah, there was one line I didn't really uh, like because they felt like they were attacking Vice President mm. uh, Kamala Harris, which seems mm-hmm. to be a popular thing to do. It because, is. <laughs> uh, other than that, but majority of what they said was from the Native American aspect and uh, indigenous people 
which I had never thought about. It never occurred to me that uh, when the people are, when the border discussion comes up, when people talk about immigration, nobody ever talks about the Native Americans. Right. Those people. A lot of them are also affected because it's their cousins, it's their relations. If okay. you understand their, 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 um, their history, their culture, you see that when they were being forced out of their lands, a lot of them spread out. And these are some of the people who are being kicked, who are some people who are losing uh, what they have wherever they're based in, and they're trying to come. So it's like literally coming back home. Mm-hmm. But when you tag everybody as Spanish speaking, mm-hmm. it becomes, uh, who are the other people? You've, you've cut out a whole bunch of people who are actually indigenous, whose kin are in United States and Canada. So that's another story that doesn't get told. And it's like, wow. So when, when I listened to that podcast and I was like, wait, there's a whole group here. Just I was thinking it was only the Africans who have been cut out from this. Right. And, you know, right. and I was like, wait, Native indigenous people also being, you don't get their stories being told. So I think if all these are being brought to the, um, to the front line in the spotlight, it changes how we talk about immigration. It changes the expectations for how things should be dealt with. And yes. I think it also humanizes the people, the way we'll see the people, instead of just seeing them all as one type of people. Exactly. Like you mentioned something that um, really struck me, because it seems like there's this fear um, that there's the crimes going to be brought in, that it's going to, poverty is going to take over, they're going to bring diseases in, jobs are going to be stolen, and um, and then they won't assimilate. But like you said, you know, um, their documents may have been burned or they don't have anything, you know, because yeah. a lot of people say, well, how come you just won't go and get legal the right way? Or, you know, how come they don't do it the right way but literally like they're coming off everything they have on their backs uh-huh. a lot of them and like you said they don't have their documentation and they don't have the money because it is expensive to um if you could speak to that um i think people may be you know unaware of what it takes to oh it, it is um expensive um yeah so i i use my story um uh, when I was back in Nigeria, I was in, uh, I think it was 98 when my first uh, visa paperwork was filed. My mom had moved to the States of, uh, officially in 90, around 95, 94, 95. It was after the USA 94 World Cup. Uh, she had a green card since the 70s. And my elder brother was born here. So he was a citizen and he had been taken back to Nigeria since age four and then in his 20s um, they decided he um it, it was time for him to come back to the states so he only had to just uh renew his passport by proving you know he had never been to america between age four and i think 20. it was a lot easier it, it, it was still difficult for him i'm not going to say it was easy because uh yeah there was a whole it, it, when you're a black person, you show up to the embassy saying, oh, yeah, I haven't been back to my country of birth. Since, um, I left at age four. Now I'm back. Uh, I think it was like 26, 27. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, how do we know you didn't, you you haven't been visiting all this time, which is ridiculous. But okay. yeah, he had to go bring the, the ask for photos for every year of your life and oh, wow. prove that you were, this way, you never left Nigeria. 
which uh, back then photographers were expensive. So you, you don't take photos all the time. You only take photos like if you were at, you know, it was, uh, you didn't even take photos on your birthday, except your family could afford to hire a photographer and you had a big party, that kind of thing. We, were, we, had, we thought we were rich, we weren't rich. You know, you, we, we, the older you get, you start realizing like- They oh, really yeah. wanted to see photographs. Oh yeah, that, that's, a, 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 I, I'll get that treatment later on. So okay. 98, they will, my mom had, uh, you know, my mom had gone, my brother had gone, and then they will file for me. I'm, I'm the only one out of my siblings. Uh, I have three siblings, uh, two siblings, uh, who, out of all my siblings, I'm the only one who wasn't born in, I'm the only one born in Nigeria. My oldest was born in Ghana. And they asked, uh, the sort of, my mom filed for me the first time, and it took um, 2002. Yeah, it was 2002 that uh, the embassy would finally will send the list of documents and requirements, bring all this. But then had moved from Western Nigeria, where I was living. I was living in Ibadan, which is the biggest city in Nigeria by landmass, not population. So now you got to come to the embassy, which is in Lagos. Well, uh, the consulate, which is in Lagos, mm-hmm. which is like a five-hour drive. So you, you know you jump, you, so you transportation, you get to Lagos. Uh, everything you have to do is in Lagos, or uh, you go to Abuja, which is the capital, which is a longer distance for me. I, you, I couldn't afford airfare, um, so it was by road. So five-hour drive, you get to Lagos. Um, you have to do fingerprints at the na- uh, National Police Forensics Center. So you go there, you got to pay some amount of money. And if you wanted your, your, um, your fingerprints results out fast, you got to hook up the police. A little change. Yeah, Nigerian police is mad corrupt. That's what they okay. keep going to. So oh, wow. different story there. So yeah, you hook up the police. Uh, except if you have connections to like senior police officer, then that person would tell whoever they knows there, like, hey, my, my boy is coming or my girl is coming, take care of them. And that's the only way you get out of being demanded to pay money. So mm-hmm. you pay money at the police station, uh, the police forensics headquarters, then you had to go to this clinic. Uh, so that, that's the background check. That's why they take your fingerprints. And then you go to uh, the clinic, which was a very bougie clinic. It was um, an American citizen that owned it, but of Nigerian descent. And that's where you do your medical tests. Then back then it was about a hundred and I think it was about a hundred, about $110 or so mm-hmm. for the, the medical tests. $110 is not cheap. Right. It's not cheap for most of us things you got to go through emotional insults and all that stuff because the people were not happy that you're living actually so i'm getting money from everywhere to go take the medical tests there's a whole bunch of other documents that i can't even recall now that i have to go get you mm. get all that show up to the embassy final day of your interview they say you got to be there before 9 a.m i've never been to victoria island where the consulate is at i arrived there by 7 a.m there was a long line into the streets. Okay. So I got to join the line. You're being insulted by security guards. They mm-hmm. all have American accents for some reason, but they, they, everybody's like treating you bad. They're just messing mm-hmm. with you. Well, why are you late? Like if you're late by one minute, they, you, can't, you can't get in line anymore. Get out. This, that, that. You can't bring in food. Mm-hmm. You, it's 9 a.m. that you're supposed to get in. That officially line, say the, 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 the document says... 9 a.m. is when you're supposed to, you're allowed to get in there. If you don't show up there by 7 to 30, trust me, they're not allowing you into the line. 
they'll cut oh, you wow. by showing up that early and i can't i can't eat before 7 a.m i don't know i just had something that i couldn't eat before 7 a.m so i show up on empty stomach you're there you discover that you can't take in food so it's either you, you grab a quick snack from one of the hawkers out there on the streets like hey, hey get give me something quick and you have to make sure you have change <laughs> exchange food and then mm. They finally call you in, and the guys who, has, uh, who check your documents before you go into the compound, they, they have a table out um, inside John Style that will let you into the, the embassy compound. They're like, where's this? Where's that? That's how they're talking to you. Wait, what do you mean? Wait, too slow. We don't have this. Wait, get out. Go back. Get out. I'm like freezing. I'm freaking out. Like, wait, wait what? Did I do something wrong? Did I offend you? I survived that. Get okay. Into the compound. Thinking, okay, okay. Yeah, everything's all good. Meets the next person. Same thing again. It just going to mess with you. I'm like, what? What is going on? <laughs> Make it through that. By now, it's three uh, three p.m. Finally, I speak to a non-Nigerian, and I have, it happened to be a white person. And the, the, the first question is, uh, "How old are you?" I was like, "Oh, okay. I turned. Um, I'm. I'm not. I, I was 18 a few months ago." And they're like, "Oh, oh, well, you've missed it. You can't give you a visa." Like, what? 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 <laughs> Did I, I, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, the, the visa that I, you applied for, you should have, you would have gotten visa if you had showed up during your bet month, but it's, it, uh, my, my, uh, my birthday is in May. But uh, yeah, this is July. So you're, you're over age. I'm like, so that's how I, I get denied. Like, I look so dejected coming out of the embassy that the mm-hmm. police normally ask for bribe. Nigerian police stationed at the embassy. If they see you coming out, they ask, hey, man, yeah, we know you're leaving. So hook us up. Yeah, the police tell me they're like, ah, uh, yeah, this one, this one looks, yeah, it looks, yeah, it, you know, it, it looks bad for you. Sheesh. Right. <laughs> but by oh, then wow. it was closer to five thirty. I showed up before seven a.m. I haven't eaten. I've been mm-hmm. there all day. Only to be told I'm not getting a visa. That happened to me three times, three more wow. times until two thousand and five when the final test was. How do we know it's your mother that's filing for you? We need proof that that's your mother. Okay. So, uh, DNA test. I'm like, you guys could have asked for this all these years. You could have asked for this all these years. For Not DNA like test. your birth certificate. <laughs> I mean, you oh, I brought my birth certificate and all that. But um, yeah, they were like DNA test from a clinic in my mom lives in used to live in Virginia then, so it had to be a clinic in Virginia. And I was like, oh, you know, and then all the every time I was coming to the embassy, it meant hundred and ten dollars for that test. Nick doing everything all over again. So and then I'm not adding all the money I'm paying for transportation, for feeding, because I, I don't live in Lagos. So I'm coming from a different state. So if there are people coming from a much farther area, how much are they spending? So you're adding all that, come stand in line, get insulted by a security guard for no reason. So if, even the day that I got my visa, after I'd gotten the DNA, because I knew I knew not that they didn't have any, any reason to deny mm-hmm. me anymore, because now I have the DNA test. That day... It was raining. For some reason, I wore white pants. Don't ask me why. But <laughs> it was white pants that I went with. And um, I got to the embassy around 6.45 a.m. Arriving line, older woman. She was like a very old lady. She was probably in her 80s. 80s, very old. She shouldn't be standing in line for something like that. Mm-hmm. Embassy staff came out and announced, uh, make sure you have your pen in your hand. Make sure you have your IDs. You have your photographs and everything. Before you show up to the, the person who checks at the turnstile, the, the, first, the first person who embarrasses you, says, by now I'm a veteran. So I, I'm like, yeah, I already know how you all talk to people. So I have all that ready. And the old lady taps me, you know, like, uh, my son, I don't have a pen. Do you have an extra pen? 
I said, no, no, mama, I don't have a, uh, a pen. And she says, uh, um, that means I have to go buy a pen. Yeah, she want that. She's talking to herself. I have to go buy a pen. So I look at her. I'm like, yeah, I can go. There's, there's like a vendor across the street. You can have uh, a street vendor. They have a stand. You can buy stuff from them. It, this lady, she doesn't look at like a person who can get out of the line, run across the street, and then come back. I'm like, right. I, I can do it. I'm a young guy. So I'm like, mama, don't, don't worry. Uh, give me the money. I'll, I'll go get it for you. So I took the money from her, ran across the street, got the pen. Coming back, this one security guy stops me. Oh, no, you're not getting in line, mate. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is this? What do you have? You're mixing up American and Australian. What is this? You're not getting in line. You lost it, man. Get out. Go home. I'm like, what? No, no, no. I, I, I went to get a pen for this uh, mama here. Look, do you want the old lady to be running across the street to go get a pen? She needs a pen. Come on. Be a understand dude get out oh well and i'm just like wow. <laughs> i'm like dude you know what today's the day i'm supposed to get my visa if you go you better kill me you better kill me that's the we're going we, it's one of five we're going to fight now that's where i was at so his boss came and his boss was like well hey what's going on here man what's going on the boss uh the scared guy like this guy left the line he won't come back now and the boss turned to me what's your problem mister i said mama here needs a pen I went to help her buy a pen. The boss looked at me and said, he said, dude, go, go back. Go in line. I said, thank mm-hmm. you. I, 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 just, I eyed the guy. Like, I let him, I eyed him, gave him the Nigerian eye, the stinky eye. Gave him the stinky eye and then went in line. <laughs> went through the whole process. By the time they, they finally checked me, this time they had gone past, way past 5 p.m. The, the embassy staff looked at me and was like, um, he knew there was nothing they could ask me anymore. So the only thing he asked me is this. Uh, so you are single? I said, last time I checked, yes. Okay. And he said, so you're not married. You don't have um, any, how can you find find Bobo like you? Bobo means dude. How can you find Bobo like you be single? I said, um, actually, that, that was something I would have loved to discuss with you. Like, um, you have somebody you can hook me up with when I get to America? <laughs> I don't have luck with women, you know? Oh, and, oh and one thing is the the the, the place the the, the this the, the place where you're having your this interview is like a bank embassy staff is right behind the counter there's just a glass um wall separating you all and okay. everybody in the room can hear everything being asked of you the humanizing thing because it's kind mm-hmm. of embarrassing mm-hmm. but when i made that joke everybody started laughing the whole hall started oh laughing. no they were laughing <laughs> The white guy was laughing. The white guy was like, God damn. And he's just stamped my, my passport. Like, man, congratulations. <laughs> Everybody was like, hey. I was like, yeah, yeah. You, you know, brought me here for how many years? Come on, give me my goddamn visa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I said it wow. in my head. I didn't say that, I didn't say I that out loud. So even <laughs> when, I, when I got out that day, as soon as I walked out of the embassy, of course, Nigerian police sees me. They're like, aha, look, look at this one. Look at his steps. Look at his walking now. We can't tell. You, you, this one is leaving us. You are leaving Nigeria. You don't want to stay with us. My friend, oh, come and say to you. <laughs> so you face harassment from security guards. Mm-hmm. You face harassment from the police. You face harassment from embassy staff. You borrow money. You, you sell, you steal, whatever. People are, so even the ones who go through the legal means, yeah, it, it's not easy for them. It's not easy, except you come from a wealthy family. You, you, you can put up with all that. And even, but the ones who don't have anything. So 
Yeah, it, 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 people don't see, we don't see the emotional toll. You don't mm-hmm. see the people who are like, as soon as you get the visa, people, your family, start, the way they start talking to you changes. Like, hey, man, uh, so, you know, when you get to America, and, you know, remember I gave you two cups of water that day, you were thirsty. So, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't forget me. Don't forget, that's the point. You know? uh, <laughs> uh, 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 your phone starts ringing. Everybody like, hey, 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 man. Hey, I, knew you, I knew you were special. And I'm like, hey, Really? Hey, yeah, there are people who, who are still mad at me to this day because oh. <laughs> I, learned, I learned how to say no. Okay, wow. <laughs> yeah. So we don't think about those things. Um, we don't, we yeah, don't. It's we just, yeah, yeah. we get one picture and we just, everybody runs with that picture. And it's why I always, it's, it should be part of the human story. It should be part of, you know, people like, oh, don't, don't, don't talk about that side of it. Don't talk about that side. Just, you know, make it look like everybody just went to the embassy and they look at you. You're good, man. Get a stamp. Like, no. Not, like that That first time I got rejected, I knew I didn't do anything wrong. I knew I had everything in order. Mm-hmm. Then you, you're told, no. I couldn't eat. I did not eat the whole day. They had to wake me around 1, one 2 a.m. My cousins woke me up. Because I just, I got home. I don't even know how I got home. Well, I knew I just it's like you you are fighting to get on some buses you have in lagos you have to if you don't have money to afford to um uh, chatter a taxi you, you you're jumping sometimes you have to elbow people punch people jump on the buses and mm-hmm. yeah, i did all that made it home and literally just walked you know as soon as i walked through the door my cousins were ready to celebrate they saw me they just everybody just just kept quiet i walked straight into the room laid on the bed and after two a.m they woke me up like uh have you eaten don't come and die. We just don't want you to die. We oh got Lord. food for you. <laughs> you just quiet. You just, I, I, I ate the food. I was just quiet. They're like, no, nobody asked. They just knew. They knew that I was denied. Uh-huh. They know. So they just uh-huh. like, they called my uncle who was, who was like my, my who's, who's acts like my father. And he, he had to come the next day. I was talking about, hey man, you know, it's not the end of the world. Don't come in, you know, and then you know, suicide is not the answer. The truth is there are people who have taken their lives over stuff mm. like that. And nobody talks about it. So it is your fault. Something must be wrong with you. Right. And then I guess everybody's story is different. Your process is not like, you know, people at the Mexican border. Everybody has a different process. Oh no. Oh, no. You know, so. To this day, because there are people who I know over 20 years, they still haven't gotten their visa. And they've so, been trying. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I've been trying. Multiple okay. rejections. I don't okay. even know how they have the the the, the faith and belief to still keep, keep going, but they've had multiple upon multiple rejections. They're trying different things, and mm-hmm. that leads to the the opening of the illegal doors. Because like the 90 day fiance, some of you see, I don't know, you've seen that show. I right? have. And so that's kind of yeah. people really do that type of thing. Oh, please. Oh, please. The city that I that I spent the most amount of years in, in, uh, in Nigeria, that before that show ever came to existence, the stuff from Night of Fiance was a common thing because people traveled mm. from there. And you, mm-hmm. you see an old white guy from whatever in Europe with a young lady in her early 20s. Mm-hmm. they're smushing on the roadside and you walk, nobody steps and like, what's going on? It was like normal. You see an old white lady from whatever European country and one young boy was, ah, it's an uncatch fish. That's mm-hmm. an uncatch fish. And the guys after his papers, everybody understands. The whole family will cooperate. It's cool. Like, hey, this one is smart. People do, it became normal. 
So by the time mm. 90 Days Fiancé will come up, which was like almost 20 years later, and it's like, oh, somebody finally figured out that this was, oh, I could have sold this idea for a TV show because I've been seeing this all my life. Yeah. <laughs> hey, because what people, be, they, they're telling me about 90 Days Fiancé, like, you're Nigerian, there's one Nigerian 90 Days Fiancé. I'm like, what is this 90 Days Fiancé I keep hearing about? Mm-hmm. And then when I finally watched a couple of episodes, I was like, oh, man, I could have, I could have been rich by selling this idea. <laughs> Right. Wow. That's really interesting. Uh, I would like to bring it to your podcast where you celebrate the stories of people who um, are immigrants and you talk to people from all over and uh, please share about your motivation. Yeah. So my motivation includes some of what I've shared already. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, it was my coming to the realization that I didn't really know anything. I had grown up in what I now consider um, Nigerian supremacy. Um, yeah, some Nigerians would not like me saying that, but uh, yeah, go, go deal with it. Deal with it. We know we know what I'm talking about. I used to be very religious. Um, grew up, I was born Catholic, and mm-hmm. so started off Catholic, conservative Catholic, and then became conservative uh, evangelical, uh, which we call Pentecostal. And it made me have artificial walls set up against different people or groups and whatever but mm-hmm. even with the artificial walls there were people there were cracks every now and then and there were relationships i was always having with different people who quote unquote were supposed to be bad people i've been told they were bad people mm-hmm. so my very first the very first person i called my best friend in life when i was in nursery school was a muslim and uh, the first time they asked for uh, uh, we were given the assignment to write about um, uh, um, an essay about who your best friend was. I wrote an essay about this dude that's, that, that is my best friend, why I like him. And another friend of mine who was a Christian, well, we consider Catholics Christians in Nigeria. And he, we went to the same church. He worked, His mom worked for my mom, actually. And he was angry that I did not name him as my best friend. That interaction with a kid who was barely, I think I was like eight, seven, eight, seven or eight years old. Mm-hmm. And it led to a lot of train outs that I got. But the, still, there were always interactions that I was like, yeah, I don't want to be friends with Muslims, but I'm cool with Muslims. All these things were little cracks that have been going on in my life. And also people were always open with me the self-confidence issue. Fast forward to my arriving in America, joining the Navy almost immediately. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, a lot of the African immigrants on base, you know, I keep running to them and this gravitate towards me, sharing their stories. And I'm knowing all these people and someone approaches me, uh, she likes my views. Can I, would I be interested in writing on her? She's like, oh yeah, I'm recording a podcast. I don't know what a podcast is. So it's in 2010, like, would you like to participate? Oh yeah, why not? So I come on the podcast, um, the only black person there, okay. um, a bunch of guys in Europe. And um, I think uh, then I, I was already stationed in the Middle East. No, I was about to be stationed in the Middle East. So um, I was the only black person and we had a great conversation. But as soon as the recording was over, I started freaking out. And I was like, oh, first of all, I don't like my voice. I grew up thinking, uh, I, I, I wasn't aware of, um, diversity in when it came to broadcast spaces. Mm-hmm. Yes, I saw Nigerian broadcasters, but we we consider them inferior. When you've been getting anti-black messages, you don't understand how it works. 
So I considered white professional, white voice, white sounding voices professional. So okay. um, I didn't consider my voice good sounding. I didn't think anybody wants to hear my voice. So I never listened to that podcast that I appeared because on. Because of your I accent? Everything. Mm. I just thought I sounded terribly. Although the very first college class I took in America was public speaking. Mm-hmm. And every time I gave a speech, the whole class was always like clapping. And we're like, man, you're good. You're good. And I was like, yeah. why, 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 why people want to? <laughs> so I'll be, I was freaking out. I was freaking out on the inside. But I just, I just did not have self-belief in myself. So okay. I would get out of the Navy, get out of, uh, uh, go fall into major depression, go through mm-hmm. some dark times. After I moved to New York, um, I, well, one day I just had an outburst um, during one of my medical checkups with my uh, primary care. And the doctor just looked at me and said, would you like to talk to somebody? I think mm-hmm. that was just the best time that she caught me because other days I probably would have said, hell no, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm mm. not sick. Mm-hmm. So that day I just, I don't know what, what was going on with me. I said, yes. And that's how I ended up in therapy. And things started to change. People around me were like, hey, what's well, something going on with you? Something different about you. I, I used to be an ashy fellow. I, I didn't use lotion. There were so many things that I, I was just, I started noticing how I was becoming able to express what I really liked, what I really wanted. You know, I started believing in myself all of a sudden. Mm. I started noticing that people were withdrawing from me because right. a lot of people like to exploit me. So in that moment, somebody came up to me, I was like, hey, man, uh, you, you're not like other Nigerian immigrants that we have. He, he was also a Nigerian immigrant. And uh, the way you express your views when it comes to politics, when it comes to um, when we discuss Africa, I think you'll be great for a podcast. Okay. Uh, this word, I haven't heard this word. This was uh, 2016 now. I said, oh, I haven't heard this word since 2010. I've mm-hmm. heard this word before 2010. Yeah, I did a podcast. I remember. Yeah. What was it? okay so but now i was my confidence was so high i was just like yeah i didn't know even research and what, what, what podcast uh how do he's like oh like ezra klein i was like yeah i know ezra klein and so i checked up ezra klein's podcast and i'm like yeah i can do this uh, I, I like the way he does his journalism yeah i can do this yeah i didn't even realize that there were a lot of black people doing podcasts okay <laughs> yeah, I, I just jumped in like that and that was the guy who ended up stealing all the equipment that I bought and stealing everything, you know. But I didn't even like the content we were making, but we did like three episodes of whatever you know, the podcast that we did. What did he steal? He asked me to do with him. The equipment, because I, I didn't even research oh, no. what was needed. He's, he's good with um, the technical side of things, so he gave me a list of equipments to buy, microphones, um, mixer, whole mm-hmm. stuff we didn't really need to, we didn't really need those. Okay. And I bought a whole bunch of them. Almost, almost two grand. That's oh wow! Like, yeah. So I, I helped him fund his studio. <laughs> oh, no. So I was, I was very angry after that happened, and I was like, "Man, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not doing this. This podcast is garbage. I'm, I'm not messing with this podcast thing." Hmm. And uh, one of my veteran buddies was like, "Hey." That guy was trash. That guy is trash. Not even he's, he's trash because uh, we listened. He listened to one of the episodes and he was like, "Dude, you're the only person that's making sense on that episode, and you should do something." Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I like what you do. I like the way you you, you talk. 
Then another friend said the same thing. Yeah, that guy, yeah, nobody, I don't, I don't recall anything he said, but you, mm-hmm. you sounded fun. So I was like, okay, well, well, but what do I do now? I don't really, do I do soccer like I've always wanted to do? My missus was like, you know, every time you take it, you know, you take a taxi, you go some people always, how do you do it? That every taxi, every Uber that I take, the driver always tells me we end up connecting is you would think that we've known each other for years. Mm-hmm. They just give me like I if I had an if I started a podcast, then it's like I could have been recording a podcast every Uber ride. And you know, people always there's something there. And I thought about it, like, yeah, maybe I can start with immigrants in New York area. We come, we sit down together and have a conversation. Okay. Yeah. And tell me your journey. So that's where it began. And I was like, title and my friend said white label. American, uh, like oh, that sound, that sound, that sound. What? That don't sound something else. <laughs> like, dude, it's a business term, white label. Like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I, knew, I knew that. I knew that. I was just checking if you were, you were racist or not. I had to check. <laughs> nah, it, so I, I did it. I did a mini survey. Surveyed like 20, 30 people. Only one over zealous idiot was like, ah, yeah, I, I don't deal with white supremacy. I was like out the next one every every other person was like um what is this i was like look it up in the dictionary white label oh yeah yeah, i'm down so (laughs) that's how i said okay i'll start this podcast it's gonna be for immigrants in the new york area come sit down or any immigrant visiting new york will come sit down have a conversation tell me about your story we'll start from where you were born because Mm -hmm. it's all about bringing out official walls you tell me where you were born. You know, we we'll talk about where you were born, where you grew up, and then how you ended up in America, and then mm-hmm. what you're doing today. You know, so we we'll start from those um, little things, and then we'll see where the conversation takes us. And then pandemic will um, happen, and there have right. been a few people who had written to me, and I realized that wait, you know, America is the is the center of the world, mm-hmm. but if I take an immigrant story in uh, somebody who migrated to like the first person who did not migrate to America, who I featured on the podcast, he migrated to Indonesia. His story of Mm -hmm. going through Nigeria to Libya, Mm -hmm. which Libya was a little bit safer then uh, by road, is a little bit similar to the people who go through the Southern border. Okay. Going through different countries. So, there's some similarities between people in other places, migrating to other places, how their journey ended up working out for them, you know, the struggles that they went through. And I thought about it, I was like, yeah, you know, why do I only limit it to, um, yeah, the, the focus would be mostly immigrants in America. But if I see someone whose story I really would like to bring on the platform and they migrated to another country, yeah, I'll bring them here. If you it doesn't it's not limited to just only immigrants yes the major vast majority of the guests are immigrants but there's so many people's stories who have heard that even for those born here born and raised here it's mm-hmm. so similar to how i grew up in nigeria or, or something i've heard a, a different tribe in nigeria yes there's yeah there's so many things in which it's not similar but there's so many ways in which our cultures are similar yes. but we have so many artificial walls that you know we just put up to say, oh, because you you, you were born in Africa, we can't we, we we can't talk. But if I don't hear you tell your story, know where you're from, mm-hmm. know what your childhood was like, how will I be able to realize that? Wait, why am I having this artificial world separating us? 
So mm-hmm. that's why the the initial the 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 the, the podcast evolved into um, mostly immigrants and people whose stories I believe should be on my platform. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I started bringing as many people as, as I, I would love to bring, and um, I've had a wonderful sister who has still rank her YouTube channel as the best. Um, Freedom is mine. She's a black British sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, if you watch that channel, she shows you there's black people in every country on the earth and black history. But I, when when I saw it, I was just like, I got to bring this woman on my show because there's something there. It covers immigration from a different point of view that you don't realize. You know, like if you only think one way, one dimensional, it doesn't add up because a lot of times people talk immigration. Oh, you're only immigrating to. Uh, like like in Nigeria, you only immigrated to uh, you only immigrate to USA or you immigrate to to uh, UK. Mm-hmm. How many countries are in the world? There's so many historical places that we don't talk about. Why did every almost every country outside of Africa had to ban slavery? Right. Yeah, so people were being sold there, and then we ignore that. And so I was like, yeah, that's um, so. If I just see someone who has the a, a great story that will add to the platform, will teach me a lot. I bring them on the platform. Okay, that's awesome. And before we have you tell people where to find your podcast, one question from the good people at Poddex. So what is the nicest thing a stranger has ever done for you? Okay, I think that that I I have lots of examples (laughs) to go, lots of stories to go by. But I think I'll I'll go with one of my favorites, which happened in Bahrain. I was an acquaintance, I won't say former friend, an acquaintance. And he was three ranks above me. Due to my upbringing in Nigeria, I knew how to haggle prices. And one of our instructions then was to only take taxis that were Sunni, um, the Sunni taxis uh, by Sunni drivers, which had metered. Uh, meters yeah but the shia drivers who were like protesting against the king they had like regular cars without a meter in their taxi so i flagged down with haggle prices and i said he said it in broken english i'm like yeah 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 that's fine just get us there and it was a, a cheaper price that he offered so um i got a good deal in my opinion so we jump in the car and he's taking us through some back roads and then as soon as we busted out on this street it was a huge crowd where they were protesting. Uh, there was a Shia crowd protesting. They had the Shia flag all in black. Um, the women were all covered, where you could only see the eyes, with kids. And we were the only car on that street. So they easily surrounded the car. So like, oh, snap. This is this is not good. This is not okay. good. <laughs> uh-huh. First of all, we're not supposed to be in Shia neighborhoods. So you know that... Uh, can't tell me what to do. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit, I should have, I should. Some guys came and spoke to the driver. They were speaking Arabic. Uh, I, I just started taking Arabic classes then, but I, I was paying attention and the driver kept pointing at me. So the three guys who were speaking to him were walking around the car. So it was a, it was a much older car. So you had to manually wind down the window. So I, I started winding down the window before they even got to me. And when they came up to to um, my side of the window, I'm like, assalamu alaikum, my brother. Uh, I, I said that to greet them. And as soon as I said that, they were like, their face lit up, like, hey, and like, alaikum asalam. And we shook hands, so I did a peace sign, we shook hands, peace sign. And one of them was like, American? I said, yes. He said, 
military? I said, yes, hey, no point lying. They, 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 they can smell us. So I was like, yes. They said, which one? I said, Navy. Ah, mashallah, mashallah, mashallah. I like, I like Navy. I said, you do? I like you to be a few fist bumps. And then one of them said, I like Obama. I said, oh, bro, I, I like you, man. I like you. I like you. Too. You know, I love him. I love him, man. Who don't? Who don't? So uh, I was like, hey, man, can you do me a favor? I'm, try, I'm trying to go somewhere. Can you help me? Help a brother out. Um, the guy who apparently was like the leader just did like, calm down, calm down. He just, but he didn't say anything, but he just beckoned. And this guy yelled at the crowd. I kid you not, the crowd just parted open. Really? And, yeah. And that's how we went through. And I was, I was like, peace, my brothers. Oh, the guy, how you know them? I was like, well, you know, if you just talk to people like human beings, maybe. Right. <laughs> like, you know, that's, that's all I did. I, 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 I was a kid and I was told Muslims are not my friend, that kind of thing. But I, I still ended up having Muslims as friends. So I knew how to say assalamu alaikum, at least. That was like the, you know, it was a basic, <laughs> it's a basic right. thing I knew. And it, 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 it paid off that day. And a stranger was like, hey, man, you can go through. Friend had said, oh, man, shit, we don't even have guns. I was like, what are we going to do with guns? Like, if we have guns, <laughs> what, what we gonna, see how many people, these people, if, just by the look of the eyes, they look like there were over a thousand people there, mm. and including children. So wow. if we had guns, we we go open fire on women and children. Wouldn't, wouldn't that make it worse? So you can't shoot everybody down. You can't shoot your way out of the crowd. So no, that wasn't uh, uh, that wasn't going to be a solution. If we're going to die, that didn't we're going to die. But they, they weren't really attacking us. They weren't attacking mm-hmm. foreigners. They mm-hmm. the Americans. They did not attack. Yes, they did. There were some stories, but we, I never saw it with my two eyes. So. That has okay. to be, I, I, I use that as an example of one of the best things a stranger has done for me. There have been other incidents in other places that I've visited, like my first time in the UK, where a Sikh gave me directions. I, I think directions has to go with it. Uh, every, every place I've been, a foreigner has always helped me, a stranger has always mm, helped me. With, uh, that's good. Directions, so, yeah. That's true. And that's a good lesson to, like you said, treat people, you know, treat people right, right. you know. Treat people. Yeah, just be, treat people, right? Treat them, people are see the humanity in people, you know. Yes. You can't just say, "Hey, hey I'm superior to you." Okay, they, they they round you up and beat you. <laughs> I'm superior. Yes, I was in the U.S. Navy, the most superior military in the world. Uh, there was only two of us. <laughs> there were right. over a thousand of them. Yeah, the number one. I was fit. I had my abs then. Uh, yeah, it not it wouldn't have done anything. It wouldn't have done anything. Even if I had mm-hmm. a gun, it still wouldn't have done anything because except mm-hmm. if I had a big machine gun to like, and if a couple of them had said, we'll wait until you finish shooting. And then when he finishes, come out. <laughs> uh, what will you do? So yeah, yeah. I, I, I rather not, I just yeah, play nice. If it's your day to go, then it's your day to go. But right. yeah, most That's places true. I'm into, um, every time I've played nice, uh, yeah, it's it's worked out, and I think I'll keep my, my life could have been easily taken off, so taken out. And uh, somebody just said, Hey, come, hey, go, and mm-hmm. it, it worked out. So it's not like I'm the biggest, baddest gangster you meet. I have a loud mouth sometimes, I make crazy jokes, okay. but um, I know how to run too. So <laughs> <laughs> But I, 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 I think 
over, over the years, I've learned how to recognize the humanity in people. And if I sleep, I still learn how to say, I am sorry, which is mm -hmm. very important because we are not perfect. It's not right. about per perfection for me. So I may make a mistake quick to say, I am sorry uh, later on. Definitely. And please tell us where we yeah. can find your podcast and people can reach out. Oh, yes. Um, www.whitelabelamerican.com. Okay. That's the place I want everybody to go to. You'll find me on every podcast platform and I have the links up there. Um, go up there. Give me a five star review. Um, I accept donations in all currencies. Okay. Yes. Um, if you want to give me bitcoins, I'll rather prefer dollars because bitcoins is falling real bad right now. So I don't want to do too much um, exchange. So yeah, give, give me the money. Especially if you like got Jeff Bezos money, I don't discriminate. I'll take it from bald. If you got hair, we'll take it too. So yeah. Okay. But um, no, no, no. Just um, I got merchandise. I got um, Patreon account. Yeah. Oh, whichever way people want to support, come out there and support or buy me a coffee. You know, so go on the website. It's all there. And I'm on all social media too. Awesome. We will have those links posted, guys. So we appreciate Raphael joining us and sharing his story and giving his perspective. And uh, please check out his podcast as he uh, shared. And uh, we thank you, Raphael. Can join us hey, anytime. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> I was saying thank you in my language. Oh, right on. <laughs> Oh, I said I said Umbana. It's, it's very it's very short and simple. Oh, <laughs> yeah. awesome! Umbana. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. So thanks for listening, guys. At this time, we're going to go ahead and conclude the episode. We greatly appreciate you listening. We invite you to follow us on social media, on Instagram, it is Woke by Accident Podcast. On Twitter, it is Woke by. On Facebook, it is Woke by Accident Podcast. We also have the new website up, www.wokebyaccident.net. Please check us out and also follow us on all of your favorite streaming platforms and please leave a review and share feedback. You can also reach out by Gmail, wokebyaccident at gmail.com. And every time you listen, we appreciate it so much. Thank you for listening and take care.